You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. Something special happens when people eat together. Sitting across the table from someone else and breaking bread with them powerfully moves the relationship forward. Throughout history, people have gathered around the table to share food and to connect with one another. Some meals carry deeper significance, providing an opportunity to connect with cultural and religious roots and honor family history and traditions. It is no accident that the early followers of Jesus would eat together and share meals in public gatherings and in each other's homes. For almost 2,000 years, followers of Jesus have set aside time to reenact the sacrifice of Jesus and celebrate God's love by taking the Lord's Supper together. Simple elements, bread and cup. Despite what we often think, eating is a spiritual practice. Welcome to the table. morning. How many of you have family dining traditions? For instance, maybe you all pray together or maybe you all have a certain place that you sit in around the table. I know with the Morgans, I tend to want to sit when we, especially when we go to a restaurant, I want to sit where I can see the door and so all the family knows, hey, that's dad's seat. Or my wife Julie's family, we have chalupa night and everyone knows uh, what they're supposed to bring. My wife's always going to bring rice and then someone's gonna bring beans and then someone's gonna bring the shells and someone's going to bring lettuce and tomatoes. We have these family dining traditions that's just part of our family. And in the same way, we have communion traditions. I know I was raised in a, a small little church, especially the first few years of my life. And I think about some of the traditions that I learned about communion. Uh, there was this table and the men came forward and the men passed the communion and as a little kid uh, kids were not supposed to have communion unless you were baptized and so the communion would go by and i'm like man I, I sure wish i could have some of that grape juice and that bread and but i was always told kids couldn't have it and, and then as i grew older uh, went to college and uh, went to other churches and I saw them do the same thing. Everyone had different traditions. Some people uh, took communion every week. Some people took it once a month. Some people took it once a quarter. Uh, it was uh, given out in different ways and different forms. I, I know here at Castle Hills, when I served in children's ministry, uh, when it came to communion, especially with kids, I'd always say, no, I, Kids can't take this unless you've been baptized, unless you truly understand everything about communion. Um, but something eventually kind of hit me that maybe I'd missed the boat a little bit on this. And, and you may disagree with me on that and on this, and this is okay. We can still be friends. But the more that I began to kind of kind of think about this, uh, the more I studied Jesus, and and the more that I, that I thought about this. 
I, it, it hit me that Jesus never said that all I want to do or all I want is adults to remember me. It, that's not in the Bible. He, he never said only the baptized do this in remembrance of me. Only the adults can have eternal life. He, he, he never said this. In fact, when you read the story of Jesus and the words of Jesus, he never excluded anyone. In fact, everything I know about Jesus leads me to believe that he included almost everyone and everyone's welcome to his table. And so I recently I read an art, excellent article by Kerry uh, Trevon where he was talking about communion. He says, when you go through the story of Scripture and zoom out of the camera lens, you get a bigger perspective of, his ho of this holy moment. And, and, and we've been in this series talking about communion called Table Talk. And, and today I just want us to, to look at the guest list. Uh, who's welcome to this table? And Corey goes on to point out that at the Passover table, you had children and foreigners there. They were welcome to this. You can find this in Exodus chapter 12. The Passover meal was a family meal and an inclusive meal where children were participating and learning the story of God and how God had saved them and rescued them. And I'm sure the meal got messy at times when you had children involved. I'm sure there were things that were knocked over and spilled and I'm sure it was loud. I, I kind of picture it like with the kids' table at the holidays. You, you know that table, there's always going to be a mess. You're always going to need a napkin. But you know what? These kids participated. Yet this meal just wasn't for kids. Uh, it wasn't just for Jewish families. Uh, even outsiders that observed the law of Moses were welcome to participate in this meal. And we, we see from the very beginning that this meal was welcome to all. And then I look at the table and, and Jesus, and Jesus often sits and eats with all kinds of different types of people, especially if you study the book of Luke. I mean, Jesus ate a lot of meals there. And when you eat, it till, it's a way of welcoming and saying that you are accepted, that you are important. And Jesus ate with sinners and the religious elite. And he ate with the tax collector, Levi, uh, Matt, or also called Matthew, and his friends. He, he chose a tax collector to be one of his 12 disciples, an outsider. If you look at Mark chapter 2, verses 15 to 17, it says, Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other sinners. There are many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. There was many sinners and many people that were, that were outsiders. But when the teachers of the religious law who were the Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? And when Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. We see time and time again that Jesus invites everyone to his table, that he's willing to eat and share a meal and, and share conversation, have fellowship with uh, the outsiders. But not only that, we see that Jesus once had a meal with a regarded Pharisee, one of the religious leaders in town, and, but he's not bothered when an immoral woman in Luke chapter 7 comes to his table. Now this Pharisee is bothered, but Jesus is not. Women and children who were not thought, highly thought of uh, in that culture in the first century, uh, but Jesus welcomed both of them. 
He, he embraced children and he promoted children. And, and we see that to see the same thing in scripture. We see that Jesus, even though the world didn't always have a lot of value toward women, Jesus did. Now, when it comes to the Lord's Supper, I, I, I want you to see this, that Jesus shares this Passover meal with the disciples right before his death. And he, he does something that's shocking and unbelievable. He changes the story. It, it's no longer about how what God did in Exodus. It's about what God is about to do through him on the cross. And we see several different people at this table. And I just want to point this out really quickly. We see John, the one he loved. John 19, 26 says, When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here's your son. And here, here he said to, to this disciple, Here's your mother. And from then on, this disciple took care of her in his home. Jesus had love for John, this fisherman, and John loved Jesus. And, and I picture John being this big masculine fisherman. He and his brother were nicknamed the Sons of Thunder, and, and Jesus transformed his life. And John goes on to write First and Second and Third John. You see love throughout these books, and he also wrote Revelation. And John is at the table because he loves Jesus. And if you love Jesus, you have a seat at the table. You don't earn it. It's by his grace. And some of you can relate to John because you love Jesus and you love praying and connecting with him. You love worshiping him. You just want to be close to Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, you're welcome to my table. You love me. But then we see a guy named Thomas that's also at the table who questions him. He's known as Doubting Thomas. And Thomas is known for this because after Jesus died and resurrected, Thomas wanted to see his wounds wanted to see the scars that, where Jesus had those nails at. And yet Thomas was the same man who, uh, before this, uh, after, La after Jesus' friend Lazarus had died and was headed into enemy territory, Thomas says, hey, we'll go and die with you. And we see that Thomas was a man of courage, but he also had questions and he also had doubts. And some of you, you have questions and you have doubts and you don't understand everything, but Jesus invites you to the table. Uh, sometimes I think that we just, we, we don't understand everything and we wonder, am I welcome? And Jesus says, yeah, bring your doubts, bring your questions, and you bring your fears. You're still invited to the table. You don't have to have everything figured out to come and worship at the table. I, I, I look at Peter who was at the table, who had denied Christ three times. Jesus had invested so much into his life. And, and, and we know that Peter loved Jesus. In fact, he drew his sword when he got arrested and cut off Malchus's ear. But when the pressure got really tight on him, when the pressure was on, he denied Christ three times. But guess what? He was welcome to the table. And maybe some of us, we too are like Peter. Maybe we don't deny him with our words, but sometimes our actions. Maybe the Holy Spirit tells us to speak up and, and we just keep on going and and we don't really want to be bold. We don't really want to acknowledge that we're a follower of Christ. I, I want us to remember that, that Peter's next meal after denying Christ was on a beach. And it was a meal of restoration. And some of you, you too, you've blown it. You've messed up. You've made a mess of your life. But Jesus says, you're invited to my table. You don't need to be perfect. You, you don't need, you can find forgiveness in me and and sometimes when I think of communion, I think it's a meal of restoration. It's a meal that we can come together and have healing. 
Uh, we can't forget about Judas that was at the table at the Last Supper. He had betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, the price of a slave. The man followed Jesus for three years. Jesus poured his life into him. Jesus washed his feet, yet he still turned away. And you can be at church every week and still miss Jesus. I think Judas was prideful and arrogant and greedy and hungry for power. Maybe he thought if he betrayed him that he would push Jesus into being the Messiah that everyone wanted, this political Messiah, this person who would overturn the Romans. I wonder if we too aren't a little bit like Judas too, though. We have some pride and we're a little bit greedy and at times we're hungry for power and status. The other disciples, they too fought for power and status. Yet despite our mess, Jesus says, come and eat with me. Peter and Judas, those who have failed, I have forgiven you. Judas tragically took his life, but Peter ended up having a meal and he was restored. And so I want to encourage you to, I just want to remind you, this meal is for you, even if you've messed up. And then lastly, I want to look at the church and communion. When the church gathered at homes and worship, they always ate together and, and the table was present. Young and old, insiders and outsiders, and Jew and Gentile, male and female, slave and free, rich and poor, all were welcome to the table. Children were at the table because they were part of the community of faith. They too are on a faith journey. And in, in children's ministry, I remember we were always looking for object lessons to try to help the children understand Jesus a little bit more. And, and I can't help but wonder if the first object lesson in the New Testament church for children was the bread and the juice. I, I, I imagine them having that bread and, and pointing this out, that this is the body of Christ. And this juice or this wine that they used, that it was the blood, uh, that it represented the blood of Christ that was shed for their sin. Last week I said that this was a love feast. This was a type of a love feast meal, a meal that we participate, a sharing meal that we share with our family, our friends. The Lord's Supper shapes our faith. It still it tells the story of our faith, that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. It celebrates Easter. We have Resurrection Sunday every Sunday when we take communion, or at least it reminds us of Resurrection Sunday. You're welcome all, because all are welcome. Jesus is the host of the table. Jesus is the host. It's the Lord's table. It's his table. It's not my table. It's not your table. Jesus is the host, and he can invite who he wants to invite. And when we look through scripture, he says all are invited. His table is where everyone can come. It's the place that the story of the gospel is told each week. The good news that you are welcome just as you are. Now, we're not going to stay as we are. We're going to let Jesus transform our life. But you are welcome to the table.